0: Now hear the word of the Lord from Philippians chapter three and four, starting in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus let those of us who are mature think this way and if any and if in anything you think otherwise god will reveal that also to you only let us hold true to what we have attained brothers join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us for many Therefore, my brothers, whom I long and love for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: Peace be with you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Dodds, I'm one of the pastors. It's very good to be with you this morning on the Lord's Day. Uh, as Brett, Brett just read, we are continuing our series in Paul's letter to the Philippians. In last week's text, the Apostle Paul, as, as if tallying up the value of his assets, shockingly assigns all of his former riches of status, all that was once assessed as gain, to the loss column. Paul is willing to suffer the loss of all his losses in order that he might gain Christ, who is the only true gain. Christ was found in human form, and now Paul seeks to be found in Christ. Just as Christ took the form of a servant and emptied himself of all his privilege, Paul seeks to do the same. He counts all that he strived and pressed for in his Hebraic citizenship to be nothing compared to knowing Christ. And in our text today, He commends this same kind of pursuit to his beloved brothers and sisters in Philippi. For a few chapters now, Paul has been impressing upon the Philippians a a particular mindset, a particular lifestyle, to suffer for the sake of the gospel, to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, to, to work out their salvation, to empty themselves of privilege and prerogative to be humble and grateful servants, and to find joy in the midst of suffering. Why? Why is Paul commending the church to live like this? I believe that, that Paul is answering that question in our text today. Let's read again. Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because tri- Christ Jesus has made me his own. So what, what has Paul not obtained already? What is it that he presses on to make his own? If we go back to last, to last week's text, I think we find the answer. Let's look at verses 10 and 11. Paul says, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, And that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead." So the prize that Paul is pressing on to take hold of is Jesus Christ himself. Paul is talking about gaining Christ, about knowing Christ, about becoming like Christ. And this knowing is, it's more than knowledge, It's not just knowing things about Jesus or stories about Jesus or stats about Jesus, it's about knowing a communion with our King. It's a drawing near to Him in and through all that we do in our collective lives, our individual lives as, as heavenly citizens of His kingdom. As we empty our lives in obedience, as we lower ourselves in glad humility to serve, as we study the Word and pray, as we grow in Christlikeness and our enjoyment of Him, our goal in all of that is just to gain more and more of Christ. Sorry, I don't know why that's doing that. Our pressing on in those things is so that Christ would be found, would be the found treasure and prize of our striving. There there are scriptures that talk about discerning whether or not we are in Christ. There are other scriptures that encourage us to consider whether or not we have received the free gift of God's grace in Jesus. But that's not what Paul is addressing here. We do not strive in order to earn Christ. We strive in order to know Christ in a deeper fullness. Like Paul says, because Christ Jesus has made me His own, I strive to make him my own. It's it's like a marriage. People who get married, people who get married don't stand back and say, are we really married? I don't know. Now We may say, I can't believe we're married. I can't believe you're my husband. I can't believe you're my wife. This is insane. Some of us do that. Maybe that's a bad impression, most of us. But when we get married, we begin to live in a way that both manifests and deepens our marriage. It becomes more of a reality, although it's already a reality. We love one another in acts and words of kindness, awareness, and concern. We turn our lives into currency. And we spend it generously for our spouse and for their good. We sacrifice, we encourage, we bear pain and difficulty. We we hurt each other and we forgive each other. We celebrate and enjoy one another. We esteem our spouse with praise and adoration. We desire to be with them, to talk with them, to listen to them. And what happens as we do that month after month and year after year is that our spouse becomes more ours, and we become more theirs. We were each other's the moment we said, I do, but as we live out that I do, we become more one another's. Through such means, we are not earning our marriage. We are maturing in marriage and enjoy and share of one another in marriage. Our enjoyment and our share in one another in marriage, it grows in breadth and depth. Does such a thing require striving, pursuing, pressing on, absolutely. To enjoy something intimately And personally requires effort. Consider a musician, or a dancer, or a chef. What does it take? What does it take to make a cello your own? What does it take to make Swan Lake your own? Or an incredible dish your own? It takes effort. It takes striving. It takes sacrifice, it takes diligence, it takes faltering and then trying again, succeeding and wanting to succeed. It takes time and patience, it takes recommitting in new ways, it takes support from others, it takes longing and desiring, but when we do it, those things become more ours. And a very accomplished cellist feels like the cello is just an extension of themselves. The dancer is given over to the dance completely. This is what Paul is striving for. It's what he impresses upon us to strive for as the body of Christ. Paul doesn't want to be found a Pharisee. He doesn't want to be found as a law keeper. He doesn't want to be found as an Israelite or a Benjaminite. He wants to be found in Christ. As, as if, if, you, if you were looking for him, you wouldn't find him in any of those former posts where he used to live. It's like if someone asked, where's Dodds, and they couldn't find me, they'd say, well, let's talk to Kimberly. She knows exactly where he is because I'm found in her. So where are you striving to be found? Where are we striving to be found? Do you wanna be found as an American? Do you wanna be found as a Democrat, or a Republican, or a a Libertarian? Do you wanna be found as a teacher, as a doctor? Do I I want to be found as a pastor, a counselor? Do you want to be found successful, competent, needed? Or do we all want to be found in Christ more than any other place? About five years ago, I I was speaking with a pastor out in Cyprus. We were talking about just different desires for our, our life. And I asked him, what do, you, what do you think you're after? Like, what do you think you're pursuing? Like, you're working, what do you, what do you think you're working to get in your ministry and your relationships? What are you after? And he said, you know, I don't know. A month later we had lunch and he said, I figured out what it was, I figured out what it was. It, I can see that I'm striving to be understood. In the pulpit, in my marriage, talking to my kids, hanging out with my friends, I think, I think probably one of my greatest pursuits is to find a place, is to be found as one who's understood. Oh, to know Christ and to be completely understood by Him. So how are we? How are you? How are we striving to know Christ and be found in Him? Paul says that he, he strives to know Christ so that by any means possible he may attain the resurrection from the dead. The word, the word attain here is better translated as arrive, arrive at as though Paul is talking about the resurrection from the dead as as if it's a finish line in in all of this running and striving. In saying this, Paul is pointing to to the culmination of our Christian hope, the future hope, that all in Christ will one day be raised to new life for the purpose of knowing Christ in full, a full and forever communion with Christ. That is the goal. This is why we live humble, obedient, and in, in enduring unity as the people of God, to gain Christ in a greater fullness, to attain, to arrive at that resurrection from the dead. And Paul says he hasn't obtained it, that he has not already been made perfect, nor have we, not, not yet. And this is, this is why complacency and our pursuit of Christ is, is dangerous. Settling for where, we're cur- where we are currently is unwise. Just as it would be in a marriage if both spouses said to each other, I don't think we need to pursue anything further in our marriage. I think we're fine just the way we are. Christ has laid hold of us and so we do well to faithfully press on in response to his grace. on the prize that is Christ and the hope of future glory, the resurrection of the dead, Paul tells the church, he tells us to hold firm and stand firm in what they have received and attained in Christ. He reminds them of their heavenly citizenship, which he which he mentioned in particular back in chapter one. And he uses he uses political language to describe the Christian life, the church. Is unavoidably political. She's political in the sense that she is a community of people under the authority of a king with appointed rulers. She is governed by laws and has her own calendar. She has her own culture. She has her own customs. We are sojourning right now part of a heavenly city ruled by Jesus who sits at the right hand of the Father. Paul is reminding the Philippian Christians to consider themselves a colony of heaven more than a colony of Rome. He's affirming that Jesus, not Caesar, is Lord and Savior. And so as the church, we are to consider ourselves a colony of heaven more than just a colony of America. It's a greater citizenship. We now live as citizens of a of a greater commonwealth, one that places new and better demands on its citizens. Paul says our citizenship is in heaven, not will be, but is already. And from it we await Christ. This is not only a future hope, but a present reality. So from our present reality, we are right now citizens of heaven, and so we work and wait as citizens of heaven. We build and yearn as citizens of heaven. We plant and pray as citizens of heaven. Our heavenly citizenship allows us the opportunity to influence the world here and now to be part of God's kingdom come on earth. And that should inform the way that we do everything. Finally, I wanna go back to what Paul mentions in verse 17 As he often does, Paul presents himself as an example for the people to follow. Imitation is a key element of Paul's ethics. And it's an encouraging one because it means that Jesus doesn't just give us laws or instructions, but a pattern in himself to follow and patterns to follow in fellow saints. It's why Paul gives Christ's life. As the, as the primary, the main, the, the climax example of kingdom living. It's why he gives his own life as, a, as an example, and it's why he sends Timothy and Epaphroditus to the Philippians. He wants to give them tangible living examples of what lives shaped by the cross look like. So often it's through the lives of faithful saints that the truth of the gospel most powerfully impresses upon us. Even when we're little, we begin operating in the world of mimicking what we see in our parents, what we see in our friends, what we see in the surrounding world. We are natural mimickers, natural imitators, and we are encouraged to imitate others in their Christ-likeness. Choosing patterns to follow for us sojourners is really important because in our world at large there are, relatively speaking, few who are faithful in a way worthy of our emulation. There are a great many whose way of life is entirely contrary to that of God and His cross, Christ and His cross, pardon me. And Paul warns the Philippians and us about that here. There are people who won't empty themselves, they will only seek to fill themselves, to fill their bellies. They'll scoff at a at a gifted future glory and only seek an, an earned earthly glory. And Paul says, brothers and sisters, don't imitate them. Don't mimic, don't mimic them. Sojourn, we have, in my opinion, a, a wealth to imitate in the saints right here. Humility, character, love, service, hospitality, patience, loneliness, generosity, long-suffering. I know there are so many of you who are shining examples to the rest of us. Christ's likeness abounding in His body. And I only pray that we will grow in such imitation. So, we should probably look around at one another and ask, what has the Lord given me in my fellow brothers and sisters that's worth imitating? Kids of Sojourn, will you give me your eyes for a second, just for a moment. I want you to to talk to your, your parents in your parish about this in particular, I want you to say, I want you to answer this question, who in your family or parish do you hope to be more like? Who in your parish and family do you see Jesus in? You guys are pointing at each other, that's amazing, that's awesome. I wanna be like her, I wanna be like her. That's wonderful. As the faithful people of God, our lives should imitate and follow the cross-shaped pattern that Christ left for us as we live out our heavenly citizenship on earth. So, the path to maturity is the path of the cross, and it's a temptation in such a walk to try to save our lives instead of lose them because the cross-shaped life is at least, at least uncomfortable. Our world is really good at denying death. We don't wanna talk about it. We don't wanna consider it. But if the world were awaiting a savior and a resurrection with a glorified body in fullness with a glorious king, death would no longer be scary, and neither would pouring out our lives in response to the one who did and does the same for us. So Sojourn, let us strive. Let us strive to know Christ in all that we do. When you come to prayer tonight, be thinking, I want to know Christ. I want to draw near to Him. I want to know His righteousness, I want to be found in Him. When we eat this communion meal together, eat to know and be found in Christ, I want to know Him, I want to draw near to Him. When you empty your life out for the good of your neighbor, remember that in loving your neighbor you want to know Christ and you want them to know Christ. Let us imitate the cruciformed living that we witness in one another. Let's talk about it and see it in one another. Honor it and follow it and mimic it in one another. Let us count all of our riches of status and place as a loss to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. Let us live as heavenly citizens on earth who have already been laid hold of by our glorious King and only desire to lay a deeper hold on him. In doing so, we will not only gain more of Christ, in doing so, we will only gain more of Christ. We will only be made more like Him. We will only know more of His righteousness in a deep communion with Him and sojourn. That is where we want to be found. Let's pray. Almighty God, We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you. Lord, that as we, as we have been united with Christ, as as Christ has become the bridegroom and we have become the bride, we long to take, Lord, a, a deeper hold upon the one who has already taken hold upon us. We long to know Christ. Long, we, we long to strive to forget the places that we used to put our status and our hope and strive forward to take more of what is already true, to gain, to win, to profit of Christ. God, would you make us that kind of people who long to be diligent in our pursuit of Jesus in everything that we do as we study, as we pray, as we serve, as we empty our lives, as we humble ourselves. Or that the true desire would be in all of this, I long to know Christ more. I long to be made like him more. So that on the the day of resurrection, we will enjoy him in a fullness that we've never known before, but that we've always been striving and waiting and longing and hoping for. Lord, would you help us? Help us strive. Help us press on. Remind us over and over, I've taken hold of you already. I've taken hold of you already. Lord, may that feed our striving to know that you were the one who moved first. You were the one who laid hold of us first. Help us, we pray. We love you and thank you and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.